Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online service. Our theme for this year is Plus One, which encourages us to invite someone to join us in worship and fellowship. Our mission statement is simple. It's loving God, loving people, and loving life. We hope that this message will serve as a source of inspiration and encouragement for you. Each episode, we will explore different aspects of our faith, share stories of hope and healing, and discuss ways we can make a positive impact in our community and the world. So whether you're a longtime member of our church or just tuning in for the first time, we welcome you to join us on this journey. Let's make 2023 a year of growth, both for ourselves and for those around us. Thanks for listening. Here we go. An opportunity to, to grow in their raising up or being raised up right now. There's a lot of challenges that they face, you know? Uh, I thought it was tough when I was, was growing up, but man, I, I'm, I don't know anything to the nature of what the kids of today's generation are experiencing. Uh, you know, there was the, the, the millennial generation. Anybody remember the millennials? Uh, do I have any millennials in here? Is any, any, God, yes. Praise the Lord. God has to really give us mercy with millennials, don't he? <laughs> no, millennials, there, there, was, there was an interesting bunch, man. I'm telling you, the millennials, man, they, just, they like just to live footloose and fancy free, you know? No responsibilities, just, you know, just let's live, live life and have fun. But now there's the Generation Z. I mean, Generation Z, man, it's a generation where, like, just anything goes, I mean, there's no boundaries and no, there's no standards. It's just like whatever I feel, you know? And so this, this generation growing up, man, there is a lot of pressure on them to, to, to be swayed here and there. And so there is a generation that we need to begin to, to really look at and pour into. And so uh, that's really my heart in these generations, or not these generations, this, these days ahead, is to really be able to pour into our young people. Because, man, there is so much, so much pressure that they have. Uh, that they're facing. So uh, let's, let's love on a kid today, right? So before the kids leave, just, you know, find a teenager, give them a hug, say, man, I love you, man. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Well, hey, welcome to Genesee Valley Church. We're glad that you're here this morning. We're continuing in our series called the, uh, the 101 at the 911. And you might say, well, what's 101 at the 911? Well, you realize 101 simply means elementary, you know, like English 101, the beginnings, the foundation, right? And then 911 obviously means emergency. And so we're in a season and in a time in life and really within the culture of the church where we are at critical status. Uh, it is an emergency for us to get the foundations into the hearts of people because there is such a, uh, a lack thereof within the church today that they just don't know what they don't know. And so we've done a poor job as a church, when I say uh, a church, meaning just the church universal, is to really just purpose to, to express and build upon the foundations of what it means to be a Christian. You know, this seems like over the past uh, several years, there's really been an emphasis on trying to be the cool church. You know what I mean? And, you know, there's been some, uh, some place for the things that we've done over the years. You know, you see lights and, you know, just different things that the church has kind of added to uh, their presentation. And you realize that when it comes to the method, methods always change, but the message needs to stay, stay the same, right? And so one of the things that we've tried to do is to be flashy 
over the years and try to get a, a, a group of people into church that has never been into church. And to some degree, there has been success in that. But how many of you know that, uh, you, know, the, you know, Jesus said this. He said, I'll make you fishers of men, right? Well, how many of you know that when you catch fish, you got to clean fish, Right? Well, I think we've been trying to focus on catching fish for a lot of years, but we've not done a very good job or haven't done a good job of trying to clean fish. And what I mean by that is just to, to help them grow in their relationship with God, right? And so that is so vitally important because God has called us to live a victorious life. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, I come that you would have life and life more abundantly. That word abundantly means in quality and quantity. And so in other words, God said, Jesus said, the reason I came is so that you would have an amazing life. That the life of a believer, of a Christian, would be amazing. Amen. But it's interesting how the culture of today does not look at the Christian life as being one that is amazing or one that is worth acquiring or obtaining. I don't want to be one of them, right? I, 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 I don't want to be a fuddy-duddy. I don't want to have to jump through hoops. I don't want to have to do all the do's and the don'ts, or I don't want to miss out on fun. Isn't it weird to think that there's people that think that living a life for God or living a life knowing Jesus is one that is not fun. I'm telling you what, there is a life that God wants us to experience through knowing Jesus. Amen. And it's not this religious thing of going to church or doing things right or wrong. It's about knowing Him. Amen. I remember when I was in Bible college, uh, uh, I used to play a, a lot of golf. I haven't done so much in the last few years. I've been doing more hunting and fishing as the last uh, uh, few years or so. Uh, but I used to play a lot of golf. And so one particular day uh, when I was in Bible college, I happened to have an afternoon off. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go down to the, the golf course and I'm going to play around. And, and I was looking forward to it so much so. And I, I talked to the guy that was setting people off uh, uh, on the first tee. And I said, hey, man, I said, I just love to be able to golf by myself. And my whole intent was is that I'm going to golf and I'm just going to spend time with Jesus on the golf course. And I'm going to work on my game with Jesus. I said, I'm going to work on my game with Jesus. You say, well, how are you going to work on your game with Jesus? How many of you understand that God knows golf better than I know golf? And so that means that as I'm playing golf, I mean, I, Jesus can be my caddy. It's like, okay, Jesus, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do different? What do I need to do to change or better my game? Do you believe that, that Jesus can instruct me on golf to help me become a better golfer? Well, the Bible says that all good things come from above. So in other words, golf came from God. He's the originator of it. In fact, I'm going to golf when I go to heaven. Anybody want to golf with me? All right, there we go. Amen. Listen, you can take Jesus with you everywhere that you go. And so here I am. I'm out there on the golf course, and I'm playing. And I'm asking the Lord questions, just like I said to you. All right, Lord, help me out. And so I line up my shot, and I was playing. And if you've ever played golf... You'll know that there's times that you come into a place where you got people in front of you that are going a little bit slower than you. And when they play a little bit slower than you, it really starts to mess with your game and it really just kind of works on your attitude and it just is really a challenge at times. And so there's this old guy in front of me. He's golfing by himself. And I'm like, okay, God, I just want to get by this guy. 
Hopefully he'll just see that I'm coming up and I kind of put pressure on him uh, from behind and, you know, he's just aware that I'm there. I'm hitting, you know, up behind him. And so I'm hoping that he'll come to the place of let me play through. So he gets up to the next tee. And as I'm getting ready to go up to the next tee, the Lord says to me, play with the guy. And I'm like, I don't want to play with this old guy. Oh. And again, if you're a golfer and you play with somebody that struggles, sometimes it can just be wearing. And so I'm like, God, I, did, I just came to play golf with you. And he says, I want you to play with this old guy. And I'm like, okay. Well, so now my whole purpose for being there changed. I was first purposing to work on my golf game, golfing with Jesus. Now it became ministry. And it became about this man. And so as I'm golfing with this man, I have opportunities to share Jesus with him along the way. Amen? Here's my point, is that Jesus can go with you everywhere that you go. I mean, he can be in the car with you. Amen? I said he can be in the car with you, giving you instructions, telling you to slow down. Have you ever had the Lord tell you to slow down? Yeah. I remember one time, and, and well, let me just say this too. When it comes to knowing the Lord, uh, He's got a voice, and He wants you to know His voice, and the more you come acquainted with His voice or purpose to listen for it and listen to it, it will become more noticeable to you. But how many of you understand that God's wanting to help, have you help listen or uh, train you in the small things, not the big things? I mean, it's always the big things that we turn to God and say, God, uh, what should I do? But you know, when you're in the difficult situations of life, when it's life or death, or it's just a, a major ordeal, and there's a lot of emotions tied up into it, how many of you know that when it comes to having lots of emotions and cares and worries and anxiety, it gets a whole lot harder to hear the voice of God in the midst of all the noise? So God's trying to help you learn his voice in the more insignificant things of life so that when the big things come, you will identify or recognize his voice. Right? And so one day I was just saying, all right, Lord. I said, I'm just purposing to know your voice. It was one of those times where like, God, I just want to know your voice. And so I've always been the kind, and I, I, I'm still not good at this. Uh, I, well, I'm just kind of telling off of myself and now I've got to be accountable to tell them off on myself. <laughs> but I've never been good at wearing my seatbelt. Anybody like wearing seatbelts? Anybody despise seatbelts? A couple of you. <laughs> Larry says, I don't want nobody telling me what i got to do. I don't, want <laughs> I don't want to be told that I have to wear a seatbelt, you know. But so I'm driving down the road. And, and I'm telling the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to I become sensitive to your voice. And I can still see where I'm at. I'm heading south on I-75. I just left Birch Run. I'm about halfway in between Birch Run and the Clow Road exit. And there is this billboard right here on the right-hand side. So that means that it's probably about Will Willard Road, if you know where Willard Road is. And so I'm driving down the road, and I hear the Lord say to me, put your seatbelt on. And I'm like, I don't want to put my seatbelt on. And the Lord said to me, put your seatbelt on. And so finally I said, all right, I'll put my seatbelt on. And I did it with an attitude. And the Lord said to me, he says, don't talk to me in that tone of voice. Yeah. Well, what was the Lord saying? You say, did the Lord talk to you that way? Sure. Don't you talk to your kids that way? And I was giving the Lord attitude because I didn't want to wear my seatbelt. 
right? But nevertheless, I will, when the Lord said, I'm sorry, Lord, didn't mean to talk to you that way. So again, God wants you to experience him and know him firsthand. And so therefore, it is a foundational thing for us to grow in this relationship with God. And the more that we grow in the foundations of our walk with Jesus and basic Christianity, he becomes more real to us. I said he wants to become real to us. Amen? So praise the Lord. I don't know where all that come from, so nevertheless, uh, it was good anyways. Amen. Well, I said that it's critical status. We want a purpose to, to remind ourselves of what the elementary truths are, the basics are for us to live successful Christian life. Well, let me ask you this question. We've been saying consistently, and I don't know if I'll do it every Sunday, but it seems as though it just seems right to tell you every Sunday that Jesus is coming soon. I said he's coming real soon. And I believe that there's so much going on within the world that it's, it's causing us to be numb spiritually. In fact, for that matter, with all the things that are going on within this world, with all the desensitizing of our culture, this young generation that just anything goes, and we sit back as an older generation and thinking, dear God, I mean, just common sense tells you that that just don't seem right. But they can make heads or tails of it or make it seem right, right? You know what I'm talking about. The world has to get to that place. It is all part of the plan of God because when Jesus does come, people have to be so spiritually dull that they won't even know that it was the coming of the Lord because the Bible says that when Jesus comes, people will be deceived. Well, how are they going to be deceived? Because they're so spiritually dull that they don't even see what took place right in front of them. I mean, I don't know how it's going to take place. But, you know, there's going to be a mass exodus on that day. Millions or billions of people that leave this planet all in one blink of an eye. And there's going to be some excuse as to where all those people went to where people are saying, huh, where, yeah, the aliens came and sucked everybody out of here. Right? I said they're going to be deceived. But natural common sense would say, wait a minute. If you see all kinds of people disappearing, it must be that Jesus came. And so I just want to, again, remind you of the fact that Jesus is coming soon. And I don't want to get to heaven and say, oh, dear God, this is all new to me. No, the Bible says you can experience heaven on earth. So when you get to heaven, it is not second nature, or I shouldn't say second nature. It's not foreign to you. It has been second nature to you, right? That when you experience and see Jesus face to face in that day, it's not the first time that you met him. When you hear his voice say, welcome, come on in, it's not the first time you heard his voice, right? Because walking with Jesus is something that can be a part of everyday life. So if Jesus is coming soon, and if we could say, again, hypothetical, if Jesus was coming and we knew that in six months to the day, in fact, it's 1123 right now. And at 1123, six months from this day, the trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is coming. My question for you is, what would you do? What would be your actions? You know, there would be a group of people that say, bless the Lord, I've got six months to live it up. I'm quitting my job. I'm maxing out their credit cards. I'm traveling, baby. I'm going on a shopping spree. I've got all kinds of things that I'm going to do, right? 
Because we're thinking, oh, dear God, I've only got six months to live. And then there are others that would say, well, you know, I got six months. I just kind of take it easy right now, and life won't really change much until maybe a few weeks until the six months is up. And then there would be a group of individuals that say, I've only got six months. Six months is all I have left. Oh, I want to know Jesus. I got to get to know Jesus better. And Jesus is coming, and so I got to tell people about Jesus. Amen? Where do you find yourself? And again, just be honest with you. If you knew that all you had was six months, what was your knee-jerk reaction? And so if it was to say, you know what, I'm going to live it up. Listen, you have not begun to live the good life yet until you know Jesus. Or to know the life that he's wanted to give you. Because he said, I've come that you would have life and life more abundantly. Come on, say, I'm going to live the abundant life. Amen. I keep getting this stirring back up in my heart. So I'm going to come back to it, all right? As I was sitting there on the front, I was thinking of something. Concerning God speaking to you because God wants it to be, his voice to be known to you. Do you know that right now, you can hear God's voice? Here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes. If Jesus was standing right in front of you, and he is, because he's ever present. And if you were to say, Jesus, tell me something. Speak to my heart. What's he going to say? Ask the question right now. Jesus, what do you have to say? Tell me something. What's he saying to you? All right, look at me. If you participated in that exercise, I guarantee you that God said something to you. You know what he said to me? He said, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. <laughs> Come on. He said, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. Now, for me, I know what he means when he says that. Glory to God. So, man, I'm getting excited. What did he say to you? Now, if you sense that the Lord said anything negative to you, let me tell you, that wasn't the Lord. Because the Lord would never say nothing negative or critical to you. It would be nothing more than grace and mercy and love. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that draws people to repentance. So there might be things that God's working with you in, but it's the kindness of God that's drawing you to make change, not him beating you over the head. Amen? Come on, say it with me. Say, God loves me. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Look at him at, at your neighbor and say, God loves you. Amen. He loves you. Praise God. And he wants the best. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? I just feel like I'm flying off, this, off, uh, off my cuffs here, but, you know, I believe that God's talking to us right now. Amen? All right, let me draw your attention to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. It says this. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Say, the kingdom of God is? It's righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen. Remember Jesus said this. He says that the kingdom of God is coming. Amen. 
He said it's righteousness, peace, and joy. That word righteousness means right standing with God. If you've received Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to come into your heart to be the Lord of your life, then the Bible says that you are righteous before God. In other words, God looks at you as having no fault. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're blameless. Come on. That's good news. In the eyes of God, you're blameless right now. Praise God. I said, praise God. Amen. Amen. See, you know your faults better than anybody else does. And you're the one that comes and, and beats you up over the past and decisions you've made and things that you could have, should have done. But how many of you know that if you're a new creation in Christ, the old man has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So in other words, when you're looking in the mirror and you're starting to feel bad about the woulda, coulda, shoulda, excuse me, look at yourself and say, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. You say, how can you say that? Because... I'm a new creation in Christ. And right now, I'm blameless before God. Amen. So listen, you may have been a drug addict. You may have been promiscuous all your life. You may have had all kinds of troubles. You may have made made all kinds of bad decisions. You may have been here and been there. But if you've asked Jesus into your heart, the Bible says that your old past has gone. It no longer exists. You're a brand new creation in Christ. So when you start to remind yourself or somebody else brings up the past, you can confidently say, that's not me. You're talking about somebody else. And they might say, well, no, I'm talking about you. No, listen, before Christ, that was somebody entirely different than you. It might have been somebody using your body, but in Christ, you're brand new now. Amen. So you see how you can live this life and and, and experience the awesome goodness of God because you're free from the past. You're free from fault. You're free from guilt and shame of whatever has happened in yesterday's. Amen. And how many of you know that you can't change yesterday? Now, I'll be the first to tell you that, you know, there are things that I've done in my past that, that, that come up into my thinking from time to time. I mean, foolish things that you did, things that you said, things that you wish you could have taken back. And and if I let myself think about those things, I can break out into a sweat thinking, dear God, how stupid. Did I really say that? Did I really do that? Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's really just senseless to let yourself go there because, once again, you can't change the past. But you know what? I can go on and move forward to the, the future. Because I can make decisions and choices that will change my future. Amen? And it's a good future. It's a good place. Amen? And then the Bible says this. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So in other words, my position that I have with Jesus. Now, this is the point that I'm trying to make today. Is that you are righteous before God. And with your righteousness or right standing, there comes peace and joy. I said there comes peace and joy. Now, how many of you know that the Bible says that trouble comes to all of us? It says don't, it, don't, don't think it's strange when you fall through, uh, go through various trials and tribulations that there's hardships that you go to, right? But you remember the Apostle Paul said this. He said, those troubles don't move me. So 
To be human or to be natural, we experience challenges of life, and sometimes they affect us. We, we were talking with our team uh, just this past week, and we were talking about some things and some challenges, and, 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 and uh, somebody asked me, it's like, well, you, you do that? You go through that? Or, or you feel the, the pressures of that at times? And I'm like, absolutely. And he's like, oh, dear God, that makes me feel better. It's like, oh, you know, sometimes you feel like you got to be perfect, but to know that you go through challenges, you know, it just makes me feel good that, that, that you're human. Well, we are human, and we experience difficulties in this life, but be, the fact that we experience difficulties does not mean that the difficulties have to move us. Does that make sense? You are the righteousness of God, and therefore, because I'm righteous, I can have peace and joy in the midst of a storm. So do I have the emotions that will show up from time to time because of what's going on? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I see what's going on. And, and for a moment, yeah, I'm seeing it, but because I know God. I said, because I know God, this doesn't move me. Praise God. This doesn't move me. Well, how does it not move me? Because I know what God said. I know what he promised. Amen? Look at what it says here over at Ephesians chapter 4. Concerning my righteousness. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Let's pause there. We'll come back and read some more. But I want you to see that particular portion there. It says that there are individuals that no longer walk, or he tells us to no longer walk as Gentiles. That word Gentiles means those that are apart from God. He says, don't walk like you used to walk. Don't live like you used to live. Don't walk and live and think the way you did before you asked Jesus into your heart. And it says that concerning some, it says that their minds have been darkened. Or in other words, their minds have not been renewed and there was blindness in their heart. So in other words, God's saying there's a way that you can live knowing my heart for you. But if you don't discover my heart for you, if you don't discover what it is to live for me, you'll continue to live like you always did, go through the same junk of life like you always did. But there is a way that if you'll purpose to renew your thinking, renew your mind, you can come up higher. Amen. You can come up out of the dark place. How many of you have ever sensed that you've, you've been in a dark place and you're thinking, dear God, I can't wait to get out of this place. Amen. I've said it before numbers of times. I, you know, I always said to concerning individuals that went through depression, I always thought, man, they are so weak. Just weak-minded people. I can't believe it. You know, people just get depressed, you know. What's the matter with them? And then one day I found myself like, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? And I'm like, I am depressed. It's like, how did I get depressed? And all of a sudden, you start to realize that you allowed yourself to get into a place of depression because you looked at the circumstance rather than the promise of God. 
You allowed your mind to dwell on, linger on, and think on the things that you were dealing with, going through, rather than the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And how many of you understand that concerning what you know of God today can leak tomorrow? What do I mean by that? You have to remind yourself of the goodness of God. Right? Think of your little kids. You know, when it comes to Christmas. They give you a, a, a thing that they want for Christmas, right? Well, my kids, well, their kids, are, you know, they're getting older. But I can remember there was a time. My kids didn't just tell me one time. You know, hey, hey, Dad, I want that, you know, thing. I mean, it was a regular occurrence. Hey, Dad, I want to just remind you. This is, hey, I, I circled the toy in the toy magazine. This is the thing that I want, Dad. You know, and, and when we didn't throw that thing away. It came back around and he put it on the counter. Hey, Dad, remember this thing that I circled right here? This is the thing that I want right now, right? What was he doing? He was reminding me or keeping it in my mind of what he desired. Well, what do you desire of the Lord? See, when you go through dirt difficulties and challenges of life, it will purpose to try to rob the joy and the peace that's in your heart. What do we do? We have to renew our minds in the faithfulness and the goodness of God. That you're righteous. And the devil will come and say, well, you blew it. Well, I may have blew it, but I asked for forgiveness, so I'm, I'm in right standing with God. We're all good. Amen? He goes on to say, let's look at it here in verse 19. Continuing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work uh, all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard, uh, heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus. He's talking about being disciples. Remember, we said that discipleship is extremely important. Verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. So what is God saying? He's saying that for you to act right, to act like a Christian, to experience the goodness of God, it doesn't just come automatic. You have to be taught. Come on. In order for you to experience the goodness of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, as a result of your righteousness, you have to be taught what your righteousness looks like. Amen. And the devil will work extremely hard to keep you from identifying and knowing that. And once again, let me remind you that in your righteousness with God, you do not have a past. Amen. I, I don't know why this example came to mind. But you know what? Marriage is difficult. Anybody ever experienced difficulties with marriage before? Now, I won't ask you for a, a raising of hands, but, you know, there are people in here that have been divorced. Well, the enemy likes to bring that stuff up. You're divorced. You've messed up. You failed. Well, how many of you understand that when it comes to a relationship, there are two sides to every marriage, right? So you can't take all the blame yourself. But regardless, 
When you start to think about, well, I would love to have a spouse, I would love to meet a significant other, but then there's that thought that comes on and says, well, you've already been a divorce, you're divorced, you failed, you messed up. You just simply remind yourself, wait a minute, I'm righteous. I'm no longer identified as a divorced person. Don't try to put that failure of divorce on me because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And therefore, I'm chosen by God and I'm a catch for anybody that comes along my way. And God has the best for me and therefore I just got to wait and make sure that I follow the leading of the Lord for that right person. Amen. And how many of you know that God is a God of second chances? He's a God of third chances. Four chances? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't care how many chances you need. God will make it right if you allow him to lead you to the right person finally. Amen? And if you allow him to help you become the best person. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and so once again, I shared with you that concerning this culture, culture is shifting and changing so much so that the enemy is trying to rob this idea of us being right with God. In fact, um, my family and I, we were watching a, a program yesterday. And it was a documentary of these young people. And it was concerning just them hearing the gospel message. And it says that they randomly picked these Generation Z kids. Uh, specific, just randomly picked them and brought them into a group. And had this discussion about who Jesus was. And there was only nine kids I say kids, they were probably in their 20s, late, or early 20s rather. But out of these nine kids, at least half of them said, I've struggled with mental health. I thought, dear God. I mean, out of, out of all these, about half of these kids have said, I've struggled with mental health. Now, please don't hear this the wrong way, but there is something in our culture nowadays that says, you know what, there's a lot of mental health stuff going on. And so they identify, well, I just, I've got some mental health issues. Well, what the real issue is, is that people, especially within the church, they've had a lack of understanding that they are righteous before God. And so therefore, if I, if I don't know that I'm righteous for God, before God, that I have peace and joy, then therefore I must have to be something else, and therefore I must be uh, a person that has mentally health uh, uh, problems. You hear what I'm saying? Because they don't know who they are. Out of that group of kids, I think nearly half of them had said that they have either tried or had thought about committing suicide. What's the enemy want to do? He wants to rub, uh, 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 rob this young generation from ever experiencing life or the goodness of God. And just accept whatever is. Well, that's how you feel, then that's what you must be. Amen? Uh, there was one young girl. Again, they're bringing them in, sharing the gospel message. And she says, you know, I'm gay. And so, as she's talking about her uh, gayness, I guess that's the best way to say it, she's struggling because she says, I feel like God don't love me. And what a lie from the pit of hell. I said, what a lie. 
And again, why do people struggle with their identity? Uh, my daughters, they've talked about different ones. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever seen one. What do they call them? Furries? Furbies? Furries. Has anybody ever seen a furry before? Yeah, it's, it's a human being that identifies as an animal. I mean, they might wear ears. You know, they might have a tail. They might act like a dog. They might eat from the ground. You know, they identify as a dog or a cat or something of that nature. And especially within the school systems, here's what the school systems have told us that concerning uh, those individuals that identify that way, we have to let them identify that way. We can't tell them anything contrary. Well, why in the world do we think this world is so goofed up? It's because we've, we've not allowed there to be a standard of right thinking. Amen? Again, uh, my, my son, he was in kindergarten. And we got a notice uh, from the principal that they were all removed from class because one uh, kindergarten kid had a meltdown. And he had been known to do so. Well, this particular day, he had a meltdown and started screaming, started throwing chairs, throwing computers off tables, overturning tables. And so they removed the whole classroom and let him just have his tirade. And then once they, he calmed down, then they took him somewhere and they brought the class back in. Well, I had a meeting with the principal then. I went in and I said, I'd like to have a talk with you. And so we started to talk and I said, you know, in regards to my son... Uh, this is how I understand it to be. And she said, yeah, that's what happened and that's what we did. And I said, well, I said, you know, I'm a pastor. And I said, you know, we have multiple numbers of people within our church. And I said, you know, if there was somebody that was in my church and acting a fool, I said, you know, we would escort that person out. I said, we would not tolerate it. And I said, here's why we wouldn't tolerate it. Because I said, I won't, uh, I won't lose many for the, the sake of one. I said, I won't lose the whole congregation for the sake of one. I said, I would rather lose the one for the sake of the many rather than the many for the one. And I said, so when it comes to the classroom, I said, you punished the whole classroom. And my child did not get an education that day because you allowed this one child to have the tirade and just kind of have a meltdown. And her response is, you're absolutely right. But that's what the government says we have to do. And so we see that there's just a breakdown within our culture. Again, and it's spilled over into the church. Here's what I want you to know. You are righteous. You might say, what's my identity today? Your identity is that you are in Him. You are righteous before Him. You are loved by Him. And your past is erased because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. I said, amen. You can be free this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm looking at my time, just looking to see where we want to go before we wrap it up. Once again, Jesus paid the price for you. Your sins are forgiven. Your past is gone. And right now, you're in the perfect will of God. But in order for you to know that you're in the perfect will of God, you have to purpose to renew your mind and to renew your thinking. For the sake of time, I'll finish with this idea and we'll pick up with it next week. I didn't get as far as I wanted. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? In regards to the Word, the Word is how you renew your mind. 
I said it's the word of God that is how you begin to renew your thinking or identify with who you are. Now, when it comes to the word of God, if you'll allow the word of God to be a part of your life, it will begin to express the character, the nature, the personality of who God is. And you'll begin to discover and know him. Let me ask you this. Have you ever read a book more than once? If you've read a, if you read a single book, just a book that you've enjoyed, and you've read it more than once, raise your hand. Really? Wow. I feel dumb. <laughs> man. Wow. I just, I've never liked reading. It's like if I read it once, that's good, man. Amen. Well, now here's the thing. There's, there's many books that I've read and I've enjoyed them, but I can't say that I've liked books enough to say, I'm going to read that one again. But how many of you know that the Bible can be read over and over and over and over and over, and you can see something new every time that you read it? It's because it is a living book, and you're not reading a book about somebody. You're listening to and having fellowship with the author of the book. Amen. And so the more that you read that book, you begin to discover him. Now, once again, there's been times where I've watched movies. Maybe you can relate to this. Have you ever watched a a series or a a movie and you've watched it so much that you felt like you knew the character? Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, well, I'm... Karate Kid, when I was a kid, man, I watched that, I watched that show so many times when I was a kid, I, I could actually mouth the words to all the scenes in the movie. I, I watched it so much. But I felt like I knew them. Just because I watched it so much. Well, I didn't know them from nobody. But here's my point. When you read the word, you get to know him. And here's something about the word. Now, now there is a discipline to reading But if you'll purpose to read your Bible with the intent of finding Him, you will find that your fellowship with Him from the book will lead you into a place of prayer. Once again, purposing to read for the sake of reading, just to kind of get it off my checklist, it just becomes a task. And if you're not a reader, you'll put it on the shelf and you'll never get to it. But if you'll purpose to read the Bible for the sake of finding Him, it will compel you to have a time and a heart of wanting fellowship with Him. And the fellowship is where prayer is birthed. Now, most believers, because they don't spend time in the book, their prayer becomes a list of wants and needs and desires. Hey, God, can you do? God, will you help me? But when you begin to identify and know that you're righteous before God, that all of his promises are yes and amen, that God came that I would have life and life more abundantly, I don't have to continually go to ask God for things. That's who I am. I'm his son. He just takes care of me. And therefore, my prayer consists of fellowship. I'm just wanting to have time with him. I go golfing with him. I go fishing with him. Amen. Just last summer, I think I shared this with you. Last summer, I went out on, on the bay. I was out on Saginaw Bay, and I was doing some walleye fishing. Nobody wanted to go with me, so I went out there by myself. And then I had my iPad with me. I turned my iPad on and just started listening to some worship music. And I'm telling you what, I had church spending time with God. 
I mean, I had such a good time with God, I got out on the water and started walking. I mean, no, I didn't, I didn't do that. I just had a good time with God going fishing. Are you doing all right? Amen. Hey, listen, we're going to continue with this. But here's what I want you to know. Three things. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you allow God to reveal who you are, that you are righteous, there will be peace that comes in the midst of storms. There will be a joy that rises up. And listen, life was meant to enjoy, not to burden or to bear. It was meant to enjoy. Amen? If you'll allow yourself to know God through His Word and allow Him to draw you into a place of prayer, you'll find that you'll live a life of the Spirit. And that's exactly where you want to be. Stand with me if you will. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I know I preached like a fat man caught in a barbed wire fence this morning. A point here and a point there. I get it. But I trust. (laughs) But I trust that in that message, God spoke to your heart. And so I pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, draw us ever closer. Draw us to a personal walk with you of knowing you and having a desire to be known by you. God, we want to be right where you want us to be. These are the best days. The best days for the church. It's in this hour. It's in this season. And the Bible says that those that have went before us long to be where we are. So God, help us embrace this moment. Help us walk with you and know you. Help us learn your voice. Because we are righteous, and God, we desire peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. We hope that you have found inspiration and encouragement in our discussion today, and we invite you to join us again next week. Let's make 2023 a year of growth and love by sharing the message of our church with others. We encourage you to take the plus one challenge this week and invite someone to join you at our next worship service. You can get more information about our church and say hi to us anytime from our website or social media, all online at gvchurch.tv. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.